Hello, this is Tiara. Hello, this is Allie. And this is the Goddess Vibration. Welcome back to another episode. If you guys listened to the last episode, you should know that we have, I was going to say dove, and is it dove or dived? Dived. We've dived D- in. I, I think it's dove. Oh, we it's dove. It. Okay. I think. We, we, okay, I think you're right. We dove in to a trauma series. So um, the last episode was actually about introducing this new series because we're going to talk about several inner child wounds um, and our experiences with those wounds and some of the things that you can do to clear those because inner child wounding is such a significant part of the ascension journey and the healing process because as crazy as it sounds, like a lot of people need to heal from their childhood. Um, And even like someone like me, like, you know, I didn't necessarily have a bad childhood. Like I don't look back at my childhood and I'm like, oh my gosh, I I had these terrible, awful experiences. Uh, My childhood was pretty wholesome for the most part, but I still had experiences as a child that I still need to heal from. And that's why I think it's just so significant to talk about because I, I feel like Almost all of us, in some way, have childhood wounding that we need to work through, in some way. I would agree with that. My childhood was my childhood was interesting because I actually really did have a good childhood outside of school. When I wasn't in school, I was a really happy kid. Um, I also had. Like, I just, I had so many opportunities and experiences as a child that kind of outweighed um, the the adoption and, like, the bullying in the school and all the other internal issues that I was struggling with. Like, outside of that, I did have a really great childhood. Like, I was involved in a lot of sports. I had the opportunity to get involved with a lot of sports. I found a love for gymnastics. Uh, We got away in the summers to a lake, and so I had that fun summer experience. And so it's interesting how on the physical level, like, outside of the school, um, I had a pretty normal and great childhood with tons of opportunities and you know I did have good parents who tried their best and I think that they didn't know what they were getting themselves into I didn't know obviously I didn't know what was happening because I wasn't I was a baby and I wasn't fully developed and so a lot of interesting things developed with internally with myself um, just because being a child and not being able to fully understand or be able to process because you know you are you're not fully developed you don't you don't understand what each emotion is you might just have them but you aren't able to process them and when you aren't able to process them then things kind of get lost in the void and so things kind of get like locked up or they get disconnected or they get sent somewhere else and so you just keep moving on with life but without processing any of that emotion and it really starts to affect you when you become older and that's why so many of us do have inner child wounding yes so 
on this episode, we're just going to focus on one of those specific inner child wounds because there's multiple inner child wounds. Um, and throughout the rest of the series, we're going to touch upon several of them, uh, particularly the more common ones that like are out there. I mean, I- I'm sure that there, all of us probably have some aspect of all of the wounds in us, in us. but this one in particular we're going to talk about today is called the trust wound. And it's, it's quite common and it's something that can occur with the other childhood wounds. So when I say inner childhood wounds, I'm referring to things like abandonment wound and guilt wound and rejection wound and, you know, justice wound. So there's several of them. This one in particular is one that can happen when you are a child and you experience some breach of trust from either someone within your family circle or you witness someone else in that circle experience a violation of trust Um, because that affects children. You know, children are very, very impressionable. And I don't think we really realize how much of a deep impact some of these experiences can have on a child. You know, and for me, like this, I was going to share a little bit of my story, um, but this particular experience I I had, you wouldn't necessarily think is like something traumatic. You know, at the time it didn't feel traumatic, but it left a lasting effect on me that affected me for the rest of my life. And it affected my relationships. It affected how I perceived myself. It affected how I related to the world um, just from that one brief experience. And so it's kind of crazy how, those experiences in our lives as children can affect us so deeply and so heavily. So for me, when I was about 12 years old, my parents were having issues in their marriage. Um, I had two younger sisters and I was the oldest. So I, I think like as the oldest, my parents probably were under the impression that I could take more or handle more, which I guess is true. Um, at the time I was 12 though. So, I mean, I don't know, take that how, you know, you want to. Um, but I knew that they were having issues again, as a kid, like my focus was on like lunchtime and bikes and (laughs) cartoons. Like that was like my focus and school. I didn't really, outside of that, I didn't really notice too much about what was going on with them. And they were really good at like hiding it, keeping it behind doors. Um, me and my sisters did witness them fight once. Um, but outside of that, like, you know, we were pretty oblivious, especially my younger sisters. They were quite oblivious. Now, I will say that children are also very perceptive. So while maybe they seemed oblivious, some part of them knew something was off, um, just like myself. So one day I was in my room and my mother comes into my room and she's like crying and just like devastated. And I was just like, you know, what the the heck like I've never seen my mom cry what is this about and she says to me like you know your father's cheating and I it really hurts and I'm not sure what will come of come of it and then she just like grabbed her stuff and then like left to work and I was just like wow I have a question that is interesting sorry go ahead Do you even know what cheating meant when you were 12? I did, actually, yes. Oh, you did? Okay. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that it meant that she was 
that my father had violated her potentially with another person, right? Like, that's what I knew at that time. I don't know how I knew that. Maybe from, like, watching TV. I'm not quite sure. But I did know that that's essentially what she meant. Now, fortunately for me, it didn't, like, change the way I perceived my father. Like, my father was my father, and, like, their whole stuff wasn't my stuff. So I didn't take that on. Uh, but I could see how hurt she was. And I remember part of me being like, wow, I don't ever want to be hurt like this by anyone, like, ever. And I internalized that. Uh, so from that point, I guess you could say, having witnessed that violation of trust, I essentially developed a trust wound around that. Um, and the thing about trust wounds is that, like, it, it, it affects your relationships with others and your relationship with yourself. So when I say trust wound, I'm talking about, like, being afraid to be hurt, because that was, like, the core of it, like, being scared of being hurt by someone else. But also, like, by yourself, right? So you, you develop the sense of not trusting others, but also you don't trust yourself. Um, you also have this, like, insecurity or this need for external validation, which I didn't initially point to the trust wound or think was associated with the trust wound, but I could see why it would be. Um, and the crazy thing about it is I, I think I had, like, this sense of, like not feeling safe at the subconscious level too, because I would attract men that would make me feel safe, right? So like these are men that are typically more aggressive. They might have violent tendencies. Um, they know how to train or they fight or they like carry weaponry. <laughs> like these are the guys that I was essentially drawn to. So I was just like, oh, at the subconscious level, I was like, oh, he can keep me safe. So like that one tiny experience, it was like a brief five minutes, like affected me for the rest of my life. And that's what I mean when I say that these experiences as children can affect you so deeply. Um, so I do remember just growing up, like, you know, even into my adolescence and my younger adulthood, not really trusting people and feeling like if I wanted to make friends, then I need to like evaluate them for like a specific amount of time before I fully trust them and I had like those friends but I didn't have many they were mostly people I knew already or grew up with um, or had been around for a very long time like it was not easy for me to make friends um, so I was kind of essentially a loner but like you know I had this effect and this wound and so I think that that contributed to that like I, just, I wasn't open to new friends as much as I probably could have been um, interestingly enough, I, I think the biggest impact was on the men that I chose because I would choose these men who, and they were all the same, like they all had the same pattern, right? Like aggressive tendencies, um, you know, probably more toxic masculine. Um, the thing about it is that they didn't necessarily like harm me in any way. Like I never felt physically threatened by these men. Um, I remember my first true relationship was with a guy who, he had a lot of wounding from childhood. Um, I think he also had a trust wound because his whole thing was like learning how to fight, to keep himself safe. Um, he trained specific form of martial arts that was like a Japanese style. Um, he had swords. 
And I was like, oh, you know, that's sexy. When at the time, what it was is, oh, my wound likes this. <laughs> Not funny. But that's essentially what it was. Um, the only thing is that he was quite manipulative, very emotionally manipulative. And it's it's crazy because... At some point, I, I I did end things with him. It was like after three years, I did end things just because I felt like there wasn't much of a future with us. I, I started to see some of the deeper red flags. I had like started to develop greater awareness. And so I did end things. He actually went on to another relationship to physically abuse her. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like he didn't do that to me, but he did it to this other woman. At the time, I was working at a domestic violence shelter, not a shelter, but a domestic violence organization. It was a nonprofit. Um, and their whole thing was creating a network of association network for nonprofit shelters um, in that specific state. I was working there at that time, and she reached out to me and was like, I need help because this guy that you used to date is doing this to me. He may have done some of this to you. I need someone who can go and like testify against him for me. And I was just like, oh, shit. Um, so that was a whole ordeal. But it just kind of goes to show like, like the spiral effect of some of these wounds and what it can do. And, you know, unfortunately, that, I'm fortunate that I've cleared a lot, a lot of this. Um, do I still have this feeling of not fully, fully being safe? It's, it's more like I still kind of have this feeling that like if good things happen or that if I'm experiencing good things, that it's going to go bad. So I, I still do still have some of that. But for the most part, I think I've overcome a lot of that trust wound. Um, but, you know, again, it's just it, it went in a direction that you would have never thought from that one experience. It's interesting that you went from that to another, in a sense, controlling and manipulative man. Yes, I did. So when I was in my late 20s, I met another guy um, who had a very similar profile. He had aggressive tendencies, and he would even talk to me about like some of the things he'd done, um, or he had done. Um, he trained. Um, he was a boxer. Um, he had lots of weapons, a big gun enthusiast. Uh, but with him, I felt safe. You know, just like with my first boyfriend, I, I felt safe. And so that was attractive to me. Again, at the subconscious level, that was very attractive to me. Like, oh, he can protect me. He can keep me safe. You know, I don't have to worry about not trusting anyone because, you know, I got him. He's hypervigilant. I don't, I don't have anything to worry about when I'm with him. And that was really comforting at that time. Um, you know, so we were in a long-term relationship. We did end up getting married. Uh, but at the point that I started to expand and shift into a spiritual journey is when we started to part ways, like just energetically, um, we were going a different direction. So, so yeah, I ended up attracting two men that were very similar, had like the, the when I say they had the exact same profile, like, I mean, verbatim, the exact same profile. Um, because of this one wound. So another thing that's good to analyze if you're trying to explore, okay, what kind of wound, inner child wound might I have is to look at your relationship because it will point you in a direction, especially if you're dating the same um, profile of person in every relationship. 
And you guys, that happens a way more. It's a lot more common than you think. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, we look at our relationships that we've been in, but we also see like friends, you know, mutual friends and their pattern of relationship. And it's so common. I was just like, oh, well, it's it. I take comfort in knowing that I'm not, I'm not the only one. But honestly, until you go through the ascension process or you go through the healing process, whatever you want to call it, it's pay attention to those people that you attract into your life. So now it doesn't even have to be romantic. It could also be like on a friendship level. It's just, it's really interesting when you take out the ego and when you start thinking of things in terms of frequency, what frequency you're at and what you attract at that frequency. And if you do raise your frequency, the things that change, because Tiara and I can both attest to that. Oh, yes. So it is really fascinating. Um, we think it's fascinating. Just because we think it's fascinating <laughs> doesn't mean that you guys do. But um, that's just kind of some thoughts. Sometimes I ramble because my brain is just in deep thought listening to Tiara's story. And I was just like, I like the fact that you brought up the pattern thing because I probably wouldn't have gone there. Yes, yes. I just, you know, and that's how I kind of knew that that's what that was, is by looking at the pattern of the men I was dating. And I noticed the pattern like a while back. And I was just like, you know, what is it about these men that I'm just so drawn to? Like, it's always the same freaking guy. Yeah, I've never um, been able to figure it out. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. And I've had conver- and I have had conversations with Tiara being like, I don't get it. Can you help explain? Please, please explain. Well, and people like even like my loved ones would just be like, you know, what's up with this? I mean, they didn't say that to me. It, it was always like I would get information from other people that would be like, you know, they have these sentiments about this guy you're dating. And I'm just like, well, why didn't they say anything to me? So like in my family, I knew, for example, that my mom didn't like my first boyfriend, the, the guy I was with for three years. Like she didn't like him. Um, I, I didn't know why she didn't like him. You know, I, I didn't see what she saw, obviously. I knew she didn't like him. With my my uh, more recent relationship, the longer one that you know we got married, we're we're in the process of divorce right now. Um, it was kind of similar. Like people would come. Well, I, I take that back. It was after we separated that people started doing this. But I knew that there were some misgivings about him because there was always like this sentiment that he would harm me, and it was very common. It wasn't just like my friends. Like I, I had a couple loved ones that had that sentiment too particularly from my mother, who was just like, you know, I, I just, you know, I know you're happy with him and I know he cares for you and he loves you and he's going to keep you safe. But in the back of my mind, I just feel like there's a chance he could harm you in some way. Um, and I think, Allie, you said something like that, too. I did. I absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. And so uh, funny thing is, you know, I went to visit some family post-separation and I had one particular relative who I, I love her. He said to me, you know, I noticed like this manipulative pattern in your relationship with him. And I was just like, huh, I didn't know it was noticeable like that. I've only for been reference, telling her for 10 years, <laughs> just, just, just to throw that out there. For reference, she had witnessed the prior time that we visited. I brought him with me and we sat at her place. And I guess she was like analyzing our relationship. I don't freaking know. But she has said like, 
I, I noticed that there was like this manipulative dynamic in your relationship. And I even talked to my husband about it. Her husband's my cousin. Um, and I was just like, what? Wow. Didn't say anything to me, but you know, okay, that's cool. Our family does that. Like if we see toxic stuff in your relationship, we're not going to tell you, <laughs> but we might Which tell someone no else. makes no sense to me. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. It's, it's, we have this thing where it's like, nope, nope. Okay. That's your lesson. You go learn your lesson. We'll talk about it later if you learn it. And if you don't, well, good luck. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know. That's just how we do things in my family, you know? Um, but anyway, I just, I thought that was really interesting because I didn't, I didn't know it was that noticeable. I knew not Allie knew, um, but I didn't see what Allie saw. It took me a long time for me to see that and to get to that place through my own increase in self-awareness so and help from me yes and help from her it did take 10 10 years 10 years but i got there i um, always say better late than never true true so as we're here talking about inner child wounding i definitely have a lot of that and as i had mentioned in the previous episode a lot of that for me comes from my abandonment wound and my abandonment wound came from the fact that I'm adopted and because we're going to have a whole episode on abandonment, I don't want to go too deep into that, but I will say that abandonment and the trust wound for me are essentially tied together because if you look at the definition of trust wounds, or where it comes from. This happens when a child experiences a breach of trust or betrayal within the family system. Now, even though I didn't know my biological family because I was adopted when I was a baby, obviously that left some type of impression on me from whenever I was abandoned. I I obviously don't remember it. I obviously didn't have the ability to process it when it happened. And I'm trying to think back to like my earliest memories of, and I probably start to, I think I can remember things from the age of four. So anything from like zero to four, I don't really remember that. And so that's something that I have had internally imprinted on me that affected me my entire life. And I would say that a lot of trust, my trust wounds came from the fact that I never felt safe because I know Tiara had mentioned that in her story about not feeling safe. And that's kind of what led her into her pattern of men for me, not feeling safe, I think for I think it's just at a deeper level of I didn't exactly I obviously probably didn't feel safe when I was abandoned as a baby. And I obviously didn't feel safe with my adoptive family. And not because of any type of emotional abuse or physical abuse, like I said, like my parents were really great parents. I just think that it was a lot for all of us. 
I was not an easy child and I wasn't an easy child because I had so many deep eternal emotional issues that I couldn't articulate. And so for me, that came out in behavior. And looking back at it now, I realized I never did feel safe. I never felt safe at school. I, I felt safe at home, but I didn't feel safe at school where we spend, what, like eight hours a day at school. Um, and so I was a product of not feeling safe. I didn't really feel like I could trust anyone. I didn't have a lot of friends. And for me, I eternalized all of that. I became dissociated. I disconnected because I when it was a it was a it was like a safety mechanism for myself of, well, if I don't care about anyone else, then no one else can hurt me. Mm. And I operated from that space for up until my late teens, early 20s. So I was a very lonely person and I was in survival mode. I call it survival mode. I did what I had to do to survive. And I made it, it might have, it did affect me in many ways, affected me in relationships because I didn't really know how to build relationships until I got into my 20s because I was just in this survival mode, safety mode, and I just did what I had to do to survive. And what's really interesting about that is that I think what's interesting about my story when it comes to this is that some people like myself will turn all of the hatred and negative emotions into motivation. And I would say that that is how I survived. When other people, they just can't get themselves there and they just stay stuck. And unfortunately for those people who stay stuck, like my heart goes out to you because a lot of the stuff that Tiara and I are talking about, it's not easy stuff and it's stuff that affects us every single day and it's stuff that affects us in our daily lives and with the people around us in our lives today and it affects future relationships and that's why as much as I don't enjoy talking about these types of things, I do think it is important for us to use our platform and to talk about these things because we're not alone. We know we're not alone. We know that probably every person has some type of inner child wounding. If you worked through it, that's amazing. Please share your stories. If you haven't worked through it, then we're here to support you. Yes, we are absolutely here to support you. Um, so, Ellie, you talked about the abandonment and how you developed this trust wound because you, you didn't feel safe or like you felt like you had to go into survival mode. Now, is that just because you felt like, like there was no one there that could provide that for you? Because you had a, a relatively loving family, right? Like when you were adopted. I had a relatively, yeah, no, of course I did. I just don't think that I didn't feel safe to talk about like what was going on with me. Like I didn't feel safe about talking about the bullying at school. I didn't feel mm. safe about, I don't think I trusted 
anyone to take care of me the way that I I don't I didn't trust anyone to take care of me I was just like I can just do this myself and if that means shutting down then that's how I have to do it but I'm gonna survive and I'm gonna provide I'm gonna get to that better life that I dreamt of every single day of my life Mm. okay yeah so as you can see um I think I mentioned this earlier is that sometimes the inner child wounds go hand in hand so Ali was talking about abandonment and how that inner child wound led to the trust wound. Uh, So that can happen because I experienced something similar. I I also have a neglect wound, um, which is tied to an abandonment wound. Um, It's an emotional one. Ali's experience was a physical abandonment, but mine was like an emotional abandonment. So so as you can see, sometimes they kind of link together or they might like um, overlap in some kind of way. I think they go hand in hand in a lot of ways. I think if I think if something happens in the physical, it obviously emotionally affects you. And so when that happens again, that's called a trigger and we get triggered because triggers are all emotional. Whether it comes from an a physical event or an emotional event, but most things come in the physical event to trigger the emotional sentiment. Yes, triggers are an interesting thing because the trigger could be something in the physical. Um, but if you are triggered, it will bring back that emotion, especially if you haven't processed through the wound. And you might also have a physical response. And those are, I don't want to say they're good, but they, they, they're a sign that something needs to be processed. And triggers will also often point you in the right direction in regards to what it is that needs to be processed. So definitely keep an eye on your triggers and, you know, look at your triggers because the trigger is trying to tell you something. Um, You see this a lot in intimate relationships or like counterpart relationships where like they trigger each other. Those triggers are showing you the things that need to be healed, which is so, so unfortunate that more people don't realize this because you see people who are on a quote unquote twin flame journey triggering the shit out of each other for years and like getting nowhere until they hate each other. <laughs> Just like, no, you're supposed to like heal the stuff that's being brought to your attention through the triggers. Ugh. No, so. it's so true. And oh God, don't, why do you keep on bringing up twin Every time Tiara brings up twin friends, <laughs> I just like, Something it triggers me. I'm just like, oh, you need to look at that alley. You're being triggered. Well, what what is it? We got to go into your inner child wounding. Well, no, the only reason why I'm triggered by it is because of the misconception of the twin flame journey, ah, which we've, which we've yeah, talked yeah. about in previous episodes. So I'm not going to go deep into it, but it it's it's a misconception. Tiara and I have talked about how rare the twin flame journey is. What all these what the masses are talking about like I don't want to offend anybody but it's not the twin flame journey that's why I get triggered okay so semantics aside when I say twin flame I just mean anyone who's on a divine counterpart journey thank you okay so let's just clarify (laughs) so that we don't trigger the fuck out of Ali moving forward (laughs) when I say that that's what I mean um I don't mean like authentic true twin flames because Ali's right if you listen to our episode we did on this it is very, very rare. Yes. And, and that's the only reason why when I hear things like, especially, oh, God, Twin Flame Universe and all that stuff. I'm just oh, like, don't get me started on them. Yeah, th- that's a scam. 
portal scam. And Speaking I, of that, oh my god, I have something to say about that. Sorry, go ahead. Yo, go go for it. Okay, I think I have a relative. Well, she's a distant relative who might be in that cult. <gasps> Ooh, I know. That, that's juicy, guys. So I found out about this. Um, I went to visit some family in a specific area of California. And these are relatives on my mother's side. So her siblings, uh, my aunts and uncles, and then I've got cousins and stuff. And one of my cousins, she is on a spiritual path. I mean, that's what she was telling people. She met some guy. And I think maybe they were together for like a year. Um, It was a tumultuous connection. They didn't end up working out because she found out he was cheating on her with someone else. So I don't know at what point she may have either joined that cult or decided that this guy is her twin flame, but she came to this conclusion and will not leave him alone. Like he has moved on to another relationship. He is insistent and persistent about him being her twin flame my relatives out there are have tried to get like both sides of the story and his side is that she was abusive she was a manipulator she like physically harmed him and then her side is he's lying he's lying that's my twin flame we're going to we're going to be together it's just you know it might not happen right now but i'm going to make sure it happens wow. so people are like trying to say to her like you need to leave him alone you need to let let it go like you know we told you what he was doing this is what he was doing it's over and she's, anyone who has said anything like that to her has been, she's blocked them, right? So she's not talking to any of our family anymore out there because they had the audacity to tell her she was wrong. So I, I think that this stuff is coming from that mindset and that belief that comes out of Twin Flame Universe. I don't know if she's actually in that cult, but I'm trying to figure out an intervention for her because... We obviously, some of you guys who know that whole Twin Flame universe stuff, it's not good. So yeah. I'm trying to see if I can like nudge her in another direction. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I have yet to even attempt contact because I've got to figure out how to even go about the whole thing. So I just wanted to share that, that that's going on and that's some interesting stuff. It is really interesting. And I will say, I think another reason why I think Twin Flame universe has really tainted the connection of twin flames and i i think that's another reason why i get annoyed or frustrated or triggered by it because i'm just like the twin flame journey is supposed to be this beautiful journey and now i think the other types of relationships where people are running from each other are divine connections or karmic connections but I think the reason why I just get so frustrated is because the that school or whatever that cult in particularly has really tainted like what the twin flame journey is supposed to be about. Yeah, no, it has. It it really yeah. has, and it's sad because some of the stuff they say is is true stuff. Like it is about yeah about how you know if this person's triggering you, then you need to look at yourself and how if you want to find your twin flame, you have to heal your way into that type of dynamic. But they just take the truth and they twist it. And it's left people like my cousin thinking that they need to stalk their supposed twin flame. 
So I'm just going to I'm going to continue to report on that whole situation just because it's it's interesting and I want to see if I can nudge her out of it. So we'll see. Yeah. But going back to the trust wound and talking about how like these wounds kind of do go hand in hand and they intertwine with each other. It could be Tiara and I are just giving examples like experiences that we personally went through in our childhood and they're very different experiences and so trauma can happen childhood trauma can happen in many different ways in many different forms it could be verbal it could be emotional it could be physical and how we respond as children it really comes down to you know, your experiences, obviously. And it, it's hard because as we become adults, it's h- harder and harder for us to remember our childhood. Yeah, I, it is. I fortunately have an excellent memory, um, but not everyone has an excellent memory and not everyone can remember their childhood. And so the way that the body works, the body, the psyche will go into like safety modes and like shut it down or actually in order to protect the brain and the psyche when you go through trauma is that they'll the brain will actually trick you into not remembering if that's what the body needs to do that's what the body will do and so that's why as no one likes to be triggered no one enjoys it but i my perspective on triggering is that triggerings are actually blessings in disguises Because when you get triggered, you are being triggered from something that you might not even remember, but it's there. And then that is your opportunity to explore it. If you need help, like find support group or reach out to TR and I or whatever, get it like get a spiritual coach, whatever you need to do. If you can't figure it out on your own, just know that those are signs. You guys triggers are signs. No one likes it. I don't like to be triggered. Tiara doesn't like to be triggered. However, I have changed my perception on triggering and my perspective is they're blessings in disguises. And now I see them as actually a really positive thing. Yes, I totally agree. Um, My only thing with the term trigger is I feel like it's getting overused in some way because now we have people that are like, you know, oh my God, my college professor is talking about feminine rights and I'm triggered because I'm a feminist and you know I don't think that he should have that opinion about it like I I feel like it's getting overused in some ways because you see that term being used like politically and in cultural situations where it's kind of getting diluted to mean someone who doesn't want to hear someone else's opinion but when we say triggers we're talking specifically in regards to inner wounds so please do keep that in mind And something that we are going to briefly talk about, too, is that this doesn't only happen on the 3D level. This can also happen on a 5D level, and it can happen through the soul's journey. I mean, we are a spiritual podcast, and so we do also want to bring awareness. And you guys have heard us talk about If you've listened to us, you have heard us talk in previous episodes about the soul journey and how when we incarnate, it comes down through our DNA of all of this wounding and trauma and things that might not even be relevant to this lifetime, but we are carrying stuff from our previous lifetimes. And 
because of the work that Tiara and I have been doing with her and her soul family, we actually have a very interesting story to share. Yeah, Allie really, really wants me to share this story. I think my soul story is a delightfully tragic and complicated tale. And it's so complicated that I essentially exist with two souls. Yeah, so that's a whole other podcast. I'm I'm not going to get to that that here. But yes, so I essentially have two souls. Um, One of these souls was entangled with an archangel in a dynamic that should not have occurred, but did. Um, And that led to very tragic consequences. So out of that experience, so let's just, let's just do this. So we'll say that soul A is the one that got into the dynamic with the archangel and soul B is my current split soul. So I, just, I hope just that helps a little bit. I don't know. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. Um, so soul A got involved with this being. And because it was a forbidden connection, they did suffer consequences of their actions. Um, they were caught and they were reprimanded multiple times. But because the draw to that they had was apparently so strong, they just didn't listen to reason. So essentially what ended up happening is... Um, there was betrayal, and out of this betrayal, Soul A decided that she wanted to take out vengeance. Um, ended up doing that in very, very trouble, terrible ways, and was forced into a situation where her soul split. Um, in essence, in an attempt to stop her behaviors. That's how I ended up with Soul B, who is the split from Soul A. Um, but because all of this went down, Soul B incarnated with me with a host of significant wounding. So it is absolutely possible for you to incarnate in this lifetime with wounding. As crazy as that sounds, yeah, it, it, it's, it's common and it happens a lot. So specifically, my soul incarnated with a trust wound, an abandonment wound, a rejection wound. And I, I think there's probably some other ones in there. Do you think maybe um, a guilt wound? I haven't detected a guilt wound on my end, okay. but my split soul might have that from, you know, that whole experience. I, I did not have that. I think we're going to talk about the guilt wound in another episode, but that's also another inner child wound. So just for context. So. I've had to navigate through that stuff, not only as a result of 3D experiences, but having to go back to what happened between these two and unravel it there as well, because the impact was not only just on my soul, but also on my twin soul, who is the other half of soul B. I hope that you guys are following this because unraveling it has been a bitch. So, um, it took up our entire year, like our entire (laughs) last year. Remember how I was telling you how my roller coaster year? Well, all of this is like part of her shit. (laughs) Okay. And the only reason why she's involved at all is because she was part of the love, her soul was part of the love triangle. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah. Getting juicy, huh? Um, 
So, so yeah, so I have been exploring a lot of that and, you know, unraveling a lot of that. Unfortunately, it's been a little, lot more difficult for my twin soul to do so because um, when we split, I split into the mental body. He split into the emotional body. I didn't know this, but apparently when a soul splits, you, your, your aspects also split, particularly the mental and the spiritual aspect. Where did you learn about like half of like when you split, one of you gets the emotional body and one of you gets the mental body? Because I, I do find that really fascinating. That I intuited and it resonated just because of, you know, how Sean and I have gone about this and some of the traits I saw within us. Oh. Um, it just resonated. And I think I asked Sarah and I got confirmation. That's really perceptive. So... So yeah, so when you don't have the ability to process mentally, you become overwhelmed by your emotions and your emotions take over. And unfortunately, that's sort of the place that my twin soul is at right now where he's carrying all this wounding from soul A and hasn't been able to make sense of it, doesn't really know how to resolve it or process it. So he's kind of stuck and I'm trying to help, but it's going to require going back to soul A and working through her to unravel what it is, why it's there, you know, maybe analyze if some of these other wounds might be there to see if there's a way that we can help, you know, my twin soul. At this point, I don't know. I'm just kind of getting into that. But that story, I kept it super, super brief. Like there's so much more to it, but we're already 47 minutes in and I don't want this to be like a seven hour podcast episode. So we'll probably, you'll probably hear more about this story as it comes out over some of our subsequent recordings, but that's essentially it in a nutshell. Um, one of the ones that's been probably the most difficult to work through is the rejection wound, which we're going to talk about in another recording. And the reason why is because the rejection wound, it, it's similar to the trust wound in that you, it changes how you perceive the world but it also changes how you perceive yourself and what's really sad about it is that when you do have a rejection wound you often reject yourself before anyone else can and that's really really devastating when you have things you want to achieve and when you have goals and when you're interested in dating so I, I will talk about that when we get to that episode but uh yeah so it's it's been quite a journey and soul a is still here she's still around i do talk to her regularly well probably not regularly but we do connect and we're still unraveling things so you guys might hear more about that as this podcast goes on so i don't know we'll see the reason why i actually wanted her to talk about this was because i feel just knowing so much about their journey and have being been part of it over on and off for thousands of years this is this is like it's it's big um but the reason why i kind of wanted her to talk about this was because tiara herself like all last year in her journey she there was a point of in last year where tiara was just like i don't trust anyone and i was like what do you mean and I didn't really know where that was coming from. And we didn't realize, like, we didn't really know about Soul A at 
that point in time, she just knew that she had all this mistrust. She didn't trust the process. And it took a ton of mental fortitude and it took a lot of guidance and it took a lot of work on my end as well to get her past this trust wound. And so part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this was just to highlight the fact that it can come from the soul and the incarnate in this lifetime might have like she had no idea where it was coming from. And so it is important when we talk about wounding that, yes, a lot of it does come from what we remember, because not everyone has the ability to remember past lives. And that's probably where you will need assistance if you do want to get into past life regression. So we just wanted to bring the two perspectives in of things that we've experienced in this lifetime, things that like we obviously remember and like how we've been dealing with it in the 3D sense, but also what's really significant about Tiara's and her twin souls journey is that a lot of this other work is coming from a 5D sense through the soul journey. And that's why I wanted to touch on both. Sorry, I probably should have gone more into that. I I get the sense that people want to know which archangel it was. And the answer to that is no, so don't ask. Um, But yes, so there was a trust issue that I saw that my soul had, not only with the process, but also with her guides and essentially anyone involved with anything that had to do with this incarnation. And I didn't know why it was there. I'm almost wondering if soul A has an abandonment wound and that maybe that's tied to the trust wound. I, I actually, now that I talk about it, I think similar to like what I went through. Yes. Yes. Um, but it, it, it's a little bit more complex than that because she perceives that she, other entities are being turned against her and her interests. And of course that could create an abandonment wound when you feel like no one has your back, that there's no one you can talk to, that there's no one you can lean on, that there's no one you can trust. Like, yeah, you will develop that sense of abandonment. And I think that that contributed to the trust issue. So this actually went on for thousands of years. This is a, the, the process towards merging both halves of the soul has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And it just hasn't succeeded. Um, there's been a lot of sabotage in the process from other entities and beings. So it just, it's, it's, it's never met union. It's never gotten to merge. I don't know if it ever will. So I, I think part of that is, you know, like because of the trust wound that was there. So like if you're going through this process and you don't trust the process, like you're not going to get anywhere like ever. So, you know, it kind of got me thinking, like, has this trust wound been here since split? Because if so, that explains a lot. So. So, yeah, so there, there's just, just been a lot to work through in regards to that. And, you know, it. it the story can kind of give you a sense of how different experiences, um, regardless of what it is, can trigger a trust wound, you know, even in ways that you wouldn't even think or imagine. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you guys have heard me talk about past life regression in the past. It, it might not be something that you're interested in and that's okay. But in, in, 
in my personal opinion, to really get to the nitty gritty of your healing, you just, I want to make our listeners aware that not everything happens in this incarnation and things do get passed down and things do get carried down. And as a result, it can make the healing process really complex and taxing on people because there could be things there that from past lives that come up in this incarnation and say if you've had like a relatively like positive life and things are going well and then all of a sudden you just get hit with all these negative emotions out of nowhere and you have no idea why they're there where they're coming from and I I do believe that this happens to people it's most likely coming from previous incarnations and I know that that might sound unfair but the unfortunate truth in it all it's it's most likely that and Mm. that's why past life regression is so important if you really want to heal um what do they call it um when you what what's the call like bloodline or you know what i'm talking about when you want to heal heritage like oh and since the ancestral yes uh yeah your ancestral lineage yes thank you tiara i wasn't gonna get there (laughs) it's okay that's what i'm here for yeah but that's just kind of my stance on it in my opinion and perspective yeah, you know, and Ali mentioned past life regression. Um, if you can't find a regressionist, you can also work with someone who does soul integration or even just channeling, and you can channel the higher self or the soul or spirit guides or, um, you know, perhaps some other entity or like maybe a deceased loved one or an ancestor that might be able to assist as well. Um so I just I want to let you guys know that there are other options out there if you can't find, you know, someone who does past life regression or perhaps can't afford it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry if this episode seems a little scattered. We kind of went a bunch of different places that I wasn't sure if we were going to go. But, but that's the best we- part. That's what makes but it fun. I- I'm happy we went there, though. I think that this is really valuable knowledge for people who might be feeling certain things or people who want to take healing to the next level. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Lots of good tidbits and tips in here for you guys who are on that journey, who are ready to dive into your inner child wounding. And you guys know how to reach out to Allie and myself. Um, I'm working on getting a new website up and running. Um, specifically for the purpose of offering services. So um, I'm hoping by the next podcast episode, that'll be up. um, And you guys will have a resource if you're in need of some additional guidance and support. I'm also working on a website. It's going to take a lot longer than the next episode, though. (laughs) That's okay. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. um, And we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us every single week. We do work hard to put these episodes together so that you guys are listening really means a lot to us. It absolutely does. Thank you guys so much. And we will see where we take this series next. So stay tuned. All right. Talk to you guys again soon. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye.
Bye-bye.